to drool on the controls. You said something, Captain? Hmm, not a word. Just burped. Approaching target area. Scanners aren't picking anything up. All right, let's see what you can do. Mr. Bester. Captain Sheriff. Get the hell out of my chair. Uh, yeah, from the five to the six, we be in the mix. With that rare candy paint job on the whip. I need food for the kids, money for the rent. Fuck a lockdown, baby, I can't do that shit. And I don't never vote, cause I'm fucking broke. And either way, I know the police ain't gonna leave me alone. On a plane by the visit, Glen Rock, me crypto told me I should bring the Glock with me. So I packed up my piece and I'm sliding. Cause we might get caught up in a riot. Middle finger Trump, middle finger Biden. Fuck a left, fuck a right, is you riding? We you love to see it, dudes rocking. Ain't no politics, baby, we just talking. From the birds to the bricks, we be in the mix. With that rare candy paint job on the whip, who you with? Welcome back to the Gain of Fiction Lab. This is volume 23. Um, you, you know, some of you guys aren't into sports. I am number 23. That's Michael Jordan, right? Uh, Michael Jordan, people think Michael Jordan didn't have a lot of haters, but he did for a long time. He didn't win a championship for a long time in the league, but he was so mad at his haters that he hit the gym, put on some mass, about 10, 15 pounds of muscle mass, and then won like six straight championships or whatever, six championships in a row. So that's what we're doing here. The haters won't stop. They were doing false flags to stop the Michael Crichton episode of climate change uh, that I don't expect them to ever give up. Neither will we. Um, but today, I mean, this is going to be tough for the haters to handle, uh, I think personally because this is uh, a powerful episode of gain of fiction not only are we recovering some sci-fi some really cool rc kind of rc adjacent sci-fi i should say at least with subject matter but we are combining with our friend in fiction but it's also reality real thing that's happening but it's over fiction we we are like friends uh the fiction podcast we are making men read fiction again host of the getting lit podcast Matt Cini, how are you doing, man? Good. It's good to be in the lab. Um, I like that you mentioned Michael Jordan, too, because, like, yeah, he has some haters. Um, kind of justified for Space Jam, though. Um, I don't know how you yeah, feel about fun. Space Jam. <laughs> Love the movie. Love the movie. However, <laughs> uh, upon revisiting, my lord, that guy, the <laughs> stiffest actor of all time. Um, yeah, LeBron was okay. Try a train wreck was, was like, he, he actually, I thought he, he, he was not the train wreck of train wreck. He was okay. Um, have you seen that um Shaquille O'Neal one when he's a Kazam? Kazam, Kazam yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean I haven't. What is, Shaq what's is it a like? No, it's stupid, but it's it was fun <laughs> as a kid. Like it's it's dumb, but he Shaq is a natural. Like Shaq is very, very good on screen and, and he's just you know, he's a he's a star. Michael Jordan clearly like wanted to do space jam but then was like i bet halfway through was like no 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 no, no. this is this is not what we're going to be doing and like he, he i think he thought he he quiet was gonna, quit yeah i think exactly and i think he thought he was going to see the looney tunes while he was acting like i didn't think i think he might have thought like oh bugs bunny's going to be here right and they're like no that's later mike you know like yeah that's the and, it, and i think it bummed him out so um <laughs> Uh, anyways, we are covering today, uh, and there's much to talk about, uh, both about the book and about fiction in general. Um, you know, when I went on your show, which if anybody hasn't checked out your show, Getting Lit, um, you're very modest about it. You're always like, oh, it's for fun. It's for fun. <laughs> it's, it's not fun. It's essential. It's essential. It's great. <laughs> it's a great show. Um, I went on to cover uh, Harlan Ellison, which I, you know, since then, I, I've 
collected a few of his short story collections. I got Strange Wine, all that stuff. That's a great conversation that we had there. So if you're looking for a starting point, go ahead and check that out. Um, but we're continuing the sci-fi. And I remember on that episode, you had suggested Alfred Bester, which you also covered on there. So it'd mm -hmm. be a very good companion episode because you covered um, uh, Alfred Bester on, on your show as well, and which we're going to do today, but focusing on his specific novel, The Demolished Man. But um, you, you're very much... Uh, men need to read fiction we're in like hard agreement about that so i'd love to hear just your thoughts on why fiction is so important and then we'll get into science fiction but regular fiction. well i think fiction is important because it uh you know you, you ever see those posts of the you know tech bro mm -hmm. uh, like 20 books you need to read before you're 30 or whatever in order to like yeah i don't know intellect max or something like whatever <laughs> yeah, the fuck totally. they're talking about they're all nonfiction. And I'm like, even if you kind of uh, sort of uh, adhere to whatever they're, I don't care about like uh, intellect maxing or whatever like no. that. But if you did, what you what all those books should actually be should be fiction because like all those books are just telling you if you want to be this creative, like innovative, like let's let's uh, move fast and break things, bullshit tech utopian sort of shit. You don't read nonfiction because nonfiction just tells you what is and what was, whereas fiction allows you to sort of imagine other yes. possibilities, other kinds of people as well. If you want to get really libtarded about it, <laughs> like get into the head of someone else, like of like understand the other totally. sort of thing. Um, and you can like it allows you to imagine other life worlds, where, whether these are in the past. Like I know you've done a few episodes or have you? you've done a, an episode at least on Dostoevsky, like a few, yes, complete, a few. <laughs> completely, completely removed from contemporary life, but so essential. I love you use the word essential for my podcast, but it's a good word because it's like, oh, he's essential. Uh, yeah. So essential for understanding not only the now, but uh, thinking about what you're going to do about the now, you know, like it's yeah. not just about like, describing something or uh understanding or it's not it's not about knowledge that's the that's the thing that annoys me about right, these right. tech bro guys is that reading books is like a stats maxing rpg mm -hmm. game equip book to max out intelligent stats sort of and that that's not my approach my approach is more it's more of a creative thing even if you're not a writer um like you need to read for fiction for like everyone is creative in some way and this like sparks you, even if you want to get really materialist it like make, forms new connections in your brain and all this yeah. sort of shit in a way that nonfiction doesn't because it's very kind of dulling and <laughs> it just gives you the facts right sure there's there's a few people who like you know who are kind of you know, great sort of writers and i'm not knocking nonfiction, but people need to meet, read more fiction especially now it totally gets your mind working. It'll you become a participant, I think, more so, like you said, instead of just feeling like you're in school again, which like that's mm -hmm. that's what I think that's I think perpetual academic people love nonfiction, like people who have a, a tough time doing something in their life that isn't school or 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 something like that. And also nonfiction, in my opinion, isn't very fun. Even when I enjoy the book, it's not very fun. And I think people scoff at fiction. Some of these people with, you know, that are that pay to find out their IQ score and things like that. Like people like that, I think they don't they they scoff at anything that's fun when it comes to like mm. reading. Like where it's like, oh, you want to have fun? You want to have a fun plot? 
you want to have a fun narrative you want to you want to um you know tra- you want world building you know you want all these things it's like kind of uh, i mean mm-hmm. kind of that's kind of what i want it's it's a lot more fun and like i yeah again i i like nonfiction. it's just fine but i you know to to be able to abstract or ex- i should say extract something from a story like an actual story from a from a from an author and just it also is comforting to be like oh okay when you do read dostoevsky you're like i I had somebody in in uh, our discord say like i thought dostoevsky for some reason i thought it was like 1920 or something like that and i'm like no i get it you can't tell unless unless you know russian history like you really don't know when it's written it's not in this ye old like crazy english or or even the translation and and it, it does seem like time doesn't exist when you read fiction but then also there's points where you're like oh there were these type of losers back then in this mm-hmm. book that's comforting we can win you know what i mean yes. we can win. Yes. It's, it's, it, yeah like we it's not like some of this non-fiction stuff it's like again like you say it's just storing facts it's like bar trivia for like bar trivia or something and i'm like i no 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 no, no. this stuff's better yeah and that's that's what i was uh, i forgot to say as well is that the creative potential of like realizing uh you know other worlds other kinds of people other ways of like mm-hmm. living life kind of uh yeah it does give you a way out of this like cultural malaise that we're in more nonfiction is just going to sort of like add layers to the malaise <laughs> it's not gonna it's not gonna give you like a possibility like because what what we actually really need i think um in in, in terms of the political project and i don't mean that in like partisan political i just mean that in terms of like what needs to happen in the world and especially what men need to do is to use their imagination again yes to like get out of this and so that's what fiction facilitates a hundred percent like i said i always talk about delusions of grandeur it's basically just use your mm-hmm. imagination stop again stop being so material with everything stop being so realistic because i know there was a hard bounce back to like participation culture participation trophy culture which i agree like that's not great but then we became like these hyper realist people like mm. where it's like be realistic this is your job this is what you will do in life and it's like yeah your job sure that could be your job and all that stuff but there's no there's no real cap that you can set on how creative you can be or how smart you can be or how forward thinking you can be um and and for that i, I would say that's just i mean the simple act of reading i think is is just is, and just getting away from a screen is is that alone plus if you add kind of it kind of gets a certain amount of certain part of your brain churning that you is familiar to you because we all grew up reading books like everyone did even even like in the 90s everybody grew up reading a book in at some form but it's also feels like this foreign part of your brain that you just got back again like you know or, or like and that's that's why i think is that's why i think is good and i think people get discouraged because they'll go on twitter they'll go on instagram and they'll see like spangler or something like that mm. and they'll go oh i'm gonna read that and then they go uh, whoa but that it's too much because it's not that fun. I mean, it might be mm. if you are, but then you'll you could pick up the demolished man. You mm. could pick up J.G. Ballard's Crash. You could pick up a lot of really cool books and be like, "Oh no, no, this is actually really fun." For me, it was James Elroy's The Black Dahlia. I was like, "Oh lord!" Like, and that's guy that is almost nonfiction. Like, there mm-hmm. that's just that's just him filling in the cracks of a of a true story. And that when you read it, it's like, "Oh man!" Like, I'm getting the thrill of watching a really cool TV series. However, I feel more refreshed as though I worked out 
while doing it. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it, mm-hmm. that's what it feels like to me. And it's like I think all men need to do that. I think women read more than men. That's why I exclude them at this point. But yeah, uh, well, that's- <laughs> they just read more. I think they do. I think they do. I think women are just more prone to like reading, just picking up a book and reading it. So well, that is that is like so- sorry to do historian here, but like that is like a an accident of history, really, because previously, like in the nineteenth century, it was women who wanted to read fiction constantly mm-hmm. um whereas like but yeah. they were sort of discouraged from doing so and men were reading it a lot but um then it became women read more fiction than men into the 20th and the 21st and stuff and so yeah we need to return i guess to use another meme <laughs> like to was, men reading fiction again what do you think that what what was the reason for that was it because maybe like female authors were becoming a little more prevalent or like what probably but they- it was, i i I think it was also back then, like prior to industrial revolution and, you know, mm. women's suffrage and shit like that, women had more time because <laughs> they didn't need to work. Um, so they basically wrote letters to each other and in the 19th century and read novels. And by the way, that sounds amazing. I want that life. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Careful what you wish yeah, for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might be, you, might, you know, you might want to fight hard for something. Then you realize, oh, man, I got to go to work tomorrow. Shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm down to have them all just work now. I'm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. that's what's happening, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, and like, but like fully just like I'll, I, maybe I won't I'll wear different clothes, but I'll sit and write letters and have, do this all day and stuff. I'll do neat life. That's fine. Yeah, you can have a drawing room. Yeah, and you can receive like people in the into the parlor. Yes. Yeah, host host events. Yes. Absolutely, I can totally do that. I have no problem with that whatsoever, <laughs> fellas. I think we just need to become women. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I don't believe women. I become women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it always leads back to that, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, maybe they were onto something with all that stuff I was hating on the last couple of years. Uh, but um, yeah. So today's subject. Uh, really really enjoyed reading this um i am not well read uh in terms of uh, science fiction but a lot of times i think i would try to jump out into like the galaxy like those big like gal quite literally galaxy ship in space babylon this like that stuff is always a little scary to me however i do like hyper reality dystopian sci-fi and that is exactly what we have today. It is The Demolished Man by Alfred Bester. Now, um, it's the first ever Hugo Award winner. Um, that's a that's something I didn't know about until like last year, truly, like the Hugo Award. What's what does that really entail winning a Hugo Award? Like what, uh, like, what do you get? What do you do? What do you think you get? Like, do you just get an award? Does it just sell your books? Like what? Yeah. I think it sells your I, I don't know if they're still going. Like I've so I used to be tangentially related to science fiction stuff i used to write it some of my first publications were um science fiction i'm kind of like bester in that way like i started out in science fiction and i sort of drifted away from it and now i'm kind of coming back to it but um in terms of uh i think it's they vote on it at Worldcon, which is like this massive uh sort of convention of like science fiction writers and fans and things like that uh and then uh, whoever gets the most votes wins it, basically. I think there's, like, finalists and uh, things like that. And then I'm not sure if they get prize money or if, like, it's just a trophy or something. I'm not entirely sure. And I'm also not sure what it entails now. But 
there's been some, yeah, some really big uh, authors who have won the Hugo and some really big authors who have been nominated and not won, like really uh -huh. big science fiction uh, novels that have been nov nominated and are like classics but didn't win that year. It's like the Oscars, right? Like, Right, yeah. yeah. The best, I, I can imagine the best one not always winning. I can, I can mm. totally imagine that. And uh, I'm looking right now, it's like, Man, their site is ghetto as hell for this. <laughs> like, it, it, I'm like, what? This are you? I'm trying to. Is this just some guy named Hugo? I, I'm trying to figure yeah. out like what is happening here. I, I don't even know if this is the. Yeah, it's 81st Hugo Award. That would make sense. Um, I would yeah. imagine that this is run by like you know your old school nerds. So like people who are probably just like. I'm not using WordPress. I'm using my own HTML code or something nice. like that. And that's why the site looks <laughs> like that. Kind of tight. No, kind of tight. Yeah. I, I kind of respect it. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, so Bester wins the first one, which I'd love to picture, like, what that was even like, the first one. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where you tell a guy you won the Hugo Award, and he's like, the hell's that? He's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, who's, who's hugo he's like oh you know he won the you know he won the we we, we won for your book the demolished men all right cool whatever and it's probably in some like wood paneled room somewhere <laughs> you know like ah man take me i'm sure i'm sure it was fun but um you you've done an episode on alfred bester and um when did you first start reading him um how what has it been like revisiting him i want to know okay yeah so i first came across so I was more of a science fiction watcher when I was younger, like, so nice. like television shows, like really nerdy shit, like Star Trek. And in particular, I really loved uh, Babylon 5 and Babylon 5. I don't know if you know it, but it's just, it's just sort of like, it's about a space station and mm -hmm. like, there's all these like alien races and it's like, it's kind of like the UN in space. So like there's people squabbling right. constantly and the CGI is really dated, but that makes it kind of charming when you go back and watch it. Yeah. But there's an element in uh, Babylon 5, like a uh, faction uh, from in Earth uh, called the Psychor. And these are like, like telepathic policemen. And this is clearly kind of uh, influenced by uh, Alfred Bester because the head of the Psychor is literally called Alfred Bester. <laughs> Wow. So, so like, there's it's a real kind of um, direct sort of influence there. And that's how I kind of, like, I kind of was fascinated by that. And I think just one, one afternoon I was uh, Googling Alfred Bester because I wanted to know more about the character because I was doing a, a deep lore dive. <laughs> and because um, I used to be like that. Uh, mm -hmm. and, sure. and then Google gave me this this um author and then i looked into it i looked into the two novels uh and the the two big ones which are the demolished man and uh the stars of my destination and then i ordered them and i read i can't remember which one i read first but i remember just being blown away by both of them because what what besta does like I'm really obsessed with bridging figures and Bester is a bridging figure, which I'll, which I'll get into a little bit later between the mm -hmm. kind of golden age of uh, science fiction, which is right. Right. I see. Spaceships, mm -hmm. science, scientific heroes, um, you know, versus the new wave, which is your people like Harlan Ellison, uh, Gene mm -hmm. Wolfe and, and people like that. Um, and so Bester sort of sits between those sorts of eras um, but reading him and, and he's kind of in between in his writing style too. Like it's really pulpy, 
but he's he's always he's always combining two or more things so like the demolition man especially is like hard-boiled but it's like it's set in the 23rd century and like it's written like a hard-boiled detective novel but like there are telepaths and the way that he uh conveys how telepathy works in the future um you know one of the things that was like confusing to my young mind at first but also like whoa was when people would be talking like uh psychic what are mm-hmm. they called? Espers would be talking. Yeah, peeping each other, yeah. Yeah, and then talking between words that they're speaking and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, holy shit, that's amazing. Like, And the way that he renders that on the page is really cool. Yeah, how did He's they do very... that in the audiobook? I was always wondering, like, when there was an audiobook, how did they do it? I was, I, that, I, 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 I'm glad you asked that because uh, while I was doing errands, you know, I've read this book like three times, but mm-hmm. while I was doing errands, um, I was like, oh, I might not finish it in time. So I just got the audio book to listen to a couple of chapters right. while I was on the go yesterday. And it's really funny because it's the way that it's read, it is like the telepathy stuff is just like more dialogue. And I'm of mm. two minds. I'm of two minds about that because it's like, you know, the italics and the kind of bracketing of the different thoughts uh, it gives you a different experience reading it versus hearing it because it just sounds mm-hmm. like conversation when you're listening to it. Um, so that's why I say as well, one of the things about Bester that's really good uh, is he's a visual writer in like the sense of what you see on the page as well contributes to yeah. how you feel about things. This is really, really kind of well done in Stars My Destination, where there's a, an entire trippy, you would love this sequence. This is like entire psychedelic sequence where um, this guy kind of is falling through time and space and it's oh. like a synesthesia yeah. thing, but he renders it on the page in this really kind of trippy way. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's very artful, right? I mean, you hmm. figure uh, it, it, a lot of times, like, because we, we all open certain, but like, I, I do this the minute I order a book. I have stacks and stacks of books. I don't have enough shelves for the books that I have. But I open up the first thing I do is I open up the book and see what the words look like on the page. Like the first thing I do, just to, how does this look? You know, you read the Brothers Karamazov. It is just wall of text, wall of text, wall of text, footnotes, wall of text, wall of text. It's scary. Um, but then sometimes you'll, you know, like those those guys that were looking to sell millions of books, like Michael Crichton. It's like broken up perfectly, just mm-hmm. not too much going on on any page, and just very like very readable. But with Bester, it's like no, 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 no. When it's psychedelic time, I'm gonna have your eyes darting in all these weird different places. When it because mm-hmm. I want you kind of confused, but also enraptured by what you're seeing on there. But um, let's set the stage for what's going on. Uh, Wikipedia plot summary time, guys. Um, <laughs> any last thoughts? Any last thoughts on uh, on Devolish Man uh, before we uh, get to a word from Manscaped? No, 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 no. That's the buzz gun. <laughs> Kafka style, you are just dropped in. There's no intro to anything. You are dropped in to uh, Ben Reich, the 
the tycoon, the finance tycoon. I kind of like that they never explain what Ben Reich actually is. He's just like a guy with a lot of money and things that he owns, which I love that. That's very like Batman cartoon from the 90s, <laughs> kind of works for Evil Corp or whatever. But uh, Ben Reich immediately uh, is going crazy, and it, you're dropped into one of his dreams about a man with no face, where no matter what he's doing, he's singing at an opera or something, and you're on stage, and all of a sudden in the audience, he sees the, this man with no face. Um, Oh, I'm going to rob a bank. I'm doing something cool. Oh, man. I open up the bank vault. The man with no face is there. And you're dropped into his dream before you know anything that's going on in the book. And then all of a sudden you pop up. Um, you you wake up and he's screaming and he's showing a lot of emotion and 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 screaming. And then you are introduced to his uh, his world where he's basically got this very futuristic, cool Wall Street kind of looking place. I, I just pictured it like a psych, like a psychic Wall Street. Um, where he has these espers um, that he, he keeps a couple. He's not a big fan of them. However, he understands their importance. Espers, ESP, right? Like ESP um, will have, uh, th these are people are mind readers. So he's trying to figure out who the man with no face is originally. That's his uh, initial conflict. And he basically is seeking after the best peepers or espers, people that can peep into your mind and analyze what's actually going on. Now, um, Basically, he he thinks it's his rival, uh, De Courtney is the guy's uh, last name. So he then um, puts a plot together with another Esper um, to kill De Courtney because that's just how simple it is. Ben Reich is a very primitive figure, um, very very primitive in this new in this you know twenty third century uh, world that that Bester sets up. And he's like, I'm going to kill this guy. We're going to merge our companies together. Um, he said, no, he doesn't want to merge, so I'm just going to kill him. And then it's all about Lincoln Powell. You're introduced, the hard-boiled element comes in where Lincoln Powell is the prefect, the police prefect who's also telepathic, um, knows everything that happened, but has to go through these bureaucratic processes and has to bypass an AI computer man um, <laughs> named Mose or something. It's a big Old man, Mose. Yeah. Old man, Mose. So basically, he knows what happened. He can see it in his mind. However, there's this big bureaucratic process where it has to all be run through a computer, and the computer has to verify: can we arrest this guy or not? Now, Ben Reich is well loved. He's a big figure. He's a so nobody really wants to arrest him. Even Lincoln Powell, really. Hmm. Um, th there's this mutual respect for him, and then we go on this cool noirish, but intense hunt. For, for Ben Reich and um, the daughter, Barbara DeCourtney, who was the sole witness of the murder of her father. And from there, uh, it gets kind of crazy and it gets super psychedelic. And even when you think you're kind of like, well, where's the mystery? I know what happened. Lincoln knows what happened. Where's the mystery? Bester just swipe, pulls the carpet out from under you. And it becomes you. The plot itself becomes almost unimportant for how enjoyable that it was and then he goes no 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 it's actually something else completely different going on and we will get to that by the way so i just wanted to set the scene there for the plot but i i one thing i had in my notes that i noticed is that when i i personally love ben reich i'm a huge fan i'm not gonna lie i think he's sick i think he's, he's kind of like, like a trump right like <laughs> totally yeah he's a trump like like kind of definitely a randian figure i would mm, say like mm. like 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 a like a what was it howard rourke is that the the mm. fountainhead guy like i haven't read that but just hearing everybody talk about him yeah. i'm like no this is a randian figure um 
and he's a reactionary he's kind of like this is horseshit all this these mind reader people we need great men in the world great strong men but he's clearly mm -hmm. insane he's clearly batshit insane and that's where you're kind of like ah man if he wasn't so insane like this guy would be so sick like he would be so cool like i in my head i was like man i'd like to work for that guy if he wasn't just that like so crazy and um and like but but bester his scenes have this extra intensity when they're centered around ben reich that aren't as intense when it's it's a there's a switch like a toggle switch when it's about lincoln powell which are still very fun the the police prefect that's hunting ben reich it's very more it meanders a little more it's a little slower pace but like when ben reich's on there it is like full throttle uh action mode um and i i love the the dynamic between those two characters the way he writes them mm, yeah because i guess because uh lincoln powell uh is and Esper, a lot of his uh, chapters are in his head. So they're very kind of, you know, mm -hmm. communicating, thinking about the case and all. And whereas Ben Reich is a man of action. And so, so like, even man. though a lot of his action is driven and you kind of get this by the end of the novel, a lot of this is driven by like some very deep seated psychological issues. Uh, he's all action like he's all out there like he's he's getting it done so to speak um and that that is why yeah he is kind of like a heroic fi figure while being kind of insane and i really liked uh this time around i i can't believe i forgot this but like this time around the espers to me seemed uh way more creepy yeah, i don't <laughs> like, i don't like them i don't yeah like, like it's mm -hmm. like because it was like the, the espers were you know, trying to catch uh, this murderer, but like what they were actually concerned about was Ben Reich's greatness because there's a, towards the end of the novel, they're talking about he's one of these people who can, like a Napoleon or something like that, someone who, you know, can turn the tides of history uh, to their will or whatever. Um, and therefore he must be stopped, not because he murdered someone, but because of yeah. that, you know, <laughs> it's literally not about the murder. It's never about yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, you're right. And, and so he can, he can basically, he's one of those guys that can alter the course of the future, alter history, alter time and everything. And he has no specific actual talent, Ben, right. Nothing that any of these people have where these people can first off being, I, I love, I, and I'm, I'm saying this, I love the way uh, Bester writes these people, but I'm like being an Esper would suck. First off, they tell you there's this like little pledge. There's a guild, an Esper's guild. That's uh, it's a big like faction. They all hang out and they have their little telepathic parties and which look, you listen to our podcast. It's it, every, we, we pro we're pro psychic energy and telepathy. However, one thing we love to do with that is gamble and they can't even gamble <laughs> or play the stock market. It's on their pledge. I'm like, why would I have that talent? You just listened to a preview of one of our premium episodes. And to get access to the full thing, you got to be a paid subscriber to the Rare Candy Substack. That's rarecandy.substack.com. It's only $5 a month or $55 for the whole year. You get one month free if you do the whole year. You get access to premium Rare Candy episodes, my podcast, The Glen Word, and whatever the hell else we want to charge people for. Uh, again, that's rarecandy.substack.com. Thanks again.